Good evening. Uh, welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. Welcome to the first chapel service of the winter term. Are you glad you're here? Yeah. Uh, we're glad you're here. Uh, I was talking with Dr. Ott last week, and he said that there are 22 new students on campus this term. So anybody here, is this your first chapel service at Nazarene Bible College? Would you raise your hand? We want to welcome you. We are working on a theme for the year. It is Here Am I, Lord. And last term it was Purify Me. Uh, I want to change things up a bit. And so for, for this winter term, our focus is going to be Here Am I, Lord. Restore me. Okay, so say that with me a couple of times. Here am I, Lord, restore me. Say it with me again. Here am I, Lord, restore me. Now, let's make it our prayer. Here am I, Lord, restore me. Let's pray. Make it so. Amen wants to start our service with a reading from the book, from the Psalms. So I need you to take the Bible that's in front of you. Turn to Psalm 29, and when you found the Psalm, stand. Psalm 29. And I want us to read it responsively, so I'll read the first verse, you read the second verse, and we'll alternate verses until we get to the, until we get to verse 11, and we'll read that one together. Okay? All in favor say aye. aye. Everybody with me? Say amen. amen. Just making sure. Okay. Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. Say this last one with me. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. One more time. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Pray. It's it is why we're here. We're here to worship you. We are here to give you ourselves. We're here to give you our lives. Because you've given us so much. You've given us life and hope and health, wholeness. The least we can do is worship you. The least we can do. So accept our praise, accept all that we have. And help us to hear, continue to hear from you 
Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We have, um, we've all been there at one time or another. We've, we've, all been, we've all been in the moment. We've all been in that instance where where we are and what we're doing is just perfect. It's just right. It, it just can't get any better than the where it is. In that moment, in that moment, we feel like we know who we were meant to be. Maybe it was our first kiss. Maybe it was when we said, I do. Maybe it was when we found our stride in a long-distance run, or we found our groove in a song we'd just sung. Uh, maybe, maybe it was when we held our first newborn baby. Uh, maybe it was when we were held by someone who loved us. Maybe, maybe it was when we found peace when we were by ourselves all alone in the woods on that retreat for spiritual formation class. Maybe it was when we found joy in the middle of being surrounded by family and friends when we were celebrating whatever the occasion was. It was the moment and we just knew it was just so. Maybe, I'm guessing, for most of us, it was when we believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing that, we found life in his name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, perhaps that moment for us was when we said yes. First time, second time, third time, yesterday, when we said yes. Yes to whatever it was that God said to us. Yes to whatever it was that he asked us to do. Yes to wherever that led us. We, we said yes. In, in, in the moment, whatever that was, in the moment we were who we were meant to be. Now let me suggest to us that I think that those moments, that we are made for those moments of clarity. We are designed for those moments of wholeness. We were meant to know what it means to be in the moment. Even though they're rare, they are not supposed to be this exception. They are glimpses into who God intends for us to be. They reveal our lives, or at least a piece of our lives, as they are intended to be. Now, my hunch is, and I'm looking around, it's the first week of a new term. Some of you were in class last night and tonight, and you already have two syllabi, and you're not sure how you're going to get those two done. You have class either tomorrow or Thursday. <laughs> so my hunch is that you, maybe you're not in the moment in the moment, <clears throat> at the moment. Uh, uh, some of us are adjusting to cold. Uh, this is the first winter for how many people? 
Oh, I guess none, so never mind. We'll just go on from that one. My hunch is is that that's not where we are. We remember the time when we were in the moment, but that's not now. It's not now. We're somewhere in between. And so the question is then, if we're made to be there, if that's where we're meant to be, how do we get from where we are to where we we're meant to be? That's the question. I think if we listen to the words in Isaiah 6, we'll see how to get from where we are to where we're meant to be. So find your Bible one more time and turn to Isaiah 6. And when you have it, say amen. Okay, that sounds like a majority. In the year the King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying and they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I'm done. And then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken off of the altar with tongs. And with that coal he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Let's say our phrase again. Here am I, Lord. Restore me. The word of the Lord. To begin with, the passage tells us some marvelous things about God. It tells us, for example, that God is a God who cares. He is a God who is interested in his creation. He is a God who is involved in the lives of his children. He is a God who is concerned about the welfare of his people. And I suppose I don't need to tell you that because if you didn't think that, you, you wouldn't be here. But I just wanted to tell us that to remind us that that's so. That this is the kind of God he is. I mean, if God doesn't care, why did he he even bother with Israel? Why would he? By this time in their history, Israel is not the nation that God had in mind. I mean, they are not the poster child for the children of God, are they? They are disobedient, ungrateful, self-serving. They want their way on their terms in their time. But God continued to call. He continued to warn. He continued to encourage. God spoke to this rebellious Israel through prophets and through his revelation and through whatever means he could to get their attention. He hoped they'd listen. Actually, 
he hoped in hearing their voice, in his in hearing his voice, that they'd respond. Because sometimes they heard and ignored him, right? God's care for his creation is also shown in his interaction with Isaiah. I mean, why did the God of the universe make time for this itinerant preacher? Why did God keep him from being consumed by the vision, especially, especially when Isaiah says that he's no better than the rest of the people around him? I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. They're all, all at the same level. Why did God make it possible for Isaiah to serve as a prophet to his chosen people? Why did he even bother? Why did he make time for him? Because the God whose glory is revealed in the vision is the God who cares about his creation. He is a God who cares about you and me. Amen? Amen. Passage also tells us, it also tells us that God is holy. In fact, in fact, the story just kind of stumbles over itself trying to get from the vision to the word to the page and then on, into our ears and to our hearts, trying to capture all that happened that, first, that day. I mean, first the train of, of the Lord's robe fills the temple. It is cosmic wall-to-wall carpeting. There isn't any room for anything else. And then there's the angels. I mean, but not just angels, they're flying angels. And they're not just flying angels, but they are angels that have six wings that are flying. And they are calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the place is shaken in its boots from its doorpost to its foundation. It's filling with smoke. There's fire on the altar. All of that, all of that to say that God is holy. He is holy other. There is none other like him. None. He alone is God. Amen? Amen. So the passage tells us that God is holy. The passage also tells us that God cares for his people. And the passage also tells us something about those folks, about those people, about humanity in general. Now, it's true that in this passage, uh, Israel is the focus of the prophet's warnings, but the fact is, is that Israel is no different than anybody else. They act just like us, don't they? Don't they? And we act just like them, don't we? Just making sure we know. And it's true that Isaiah is the key person in the story. In fact, he's the only living person in the story. But he's also a stand-in for us. Standing in this text. See, Isaiah is human just like us. His strengths are like us. His weaknesses are like us. And when we see Isaiah in this moment in the vision, we can see ourselves, can't we? It's also in this passage that we see people who are not who they were meant to be. Israel was meant to be a blessing to the world, but they couldn't even get along with each other. Israel was meant to be a light to the nations, but they were so self-absorbed that they are about to lose their nation home. They were meant to be the people of God, but they insist on living like their neighbors. 
who aren't the people of God. They were meant to be pure, holy, set apart, but they are as polluted as the rest. Israel was meant to be more than they had become. And you see that. You see that in the words that Isaiah uses to describe them. Unclean. Guilty. Sin. Something wrong here. There's something not right. See, people aren't supposed to be dirty. They are made to be clean. People aren't supposed to be guilty. They are made to be innocent. People aren't supposed to be sinful. They are made to be holy. And these people are not who they were meant to be. But it's in God's response to Isaiah's confession that we find the remedy to the situation. God has to do something because Isaiah can't. Because the Israelites can't, maybe won't. They cannot undo what has been done. God has to make the first move because Isaiah and the Israelites can't undo who they've become. And so God acts. And he makes Isaiah who he was meant to be. He doesn't make him a prophet. He already is one. He makes him holy. God makes him whole. He makes him complete. And the implication is, is that what was available to Isaiah will ultimately be available to Israel. And what's available to Israel will ultimately be available to us. To the rest of humanity. Right? Amen? God makes a way for us to be holy. He provides a way for us to be who we were meant to be. So what does it look like? Who were we meant to be? Based on all that we can see in the Word and based on all that we can see in the rest of God's revelation, we were made to have life. We were made to be free. We were made to be whole, to be fulfilled, to be holy. We were made to be like the first Adam or Eve before they sinned. We were made to be like the second Adam, Jesus, who has never sinned. Amen? That's who we're made to be. In fact, you can hear it. You hear who we're meant to be in Jesus' words to some folks. He said, he said to a group who, who were surrounding him, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We were made for his rest. He said to somebody else, I am the living bread, and if anybody eats of this bread, he shall live forever. We're not made to be spiritually hungry. We are made to be spiritually fed by the living bread. Amen? If any man is thirsty, he said, let him come to me and drink. We're not designed to be spiritually thirsty. We are designed to have that thirst quenched. Amen? And then finally, finally he's talking to a bunch of folks, and he is listening. He's hoping that the Pharisees hear him. 
when he says, I came that they might have life and they might have it abundantly. Not just kind of so-so. Just kind of, well, I hope you get by. Have it abundantly. We were made for life and not death. We were made for freedom and not bondage, for health and not disease, for wholeness, not illness, for fulfillment, not emptiness. That's who we were meant to be. Amen? Are you sure? Are you sure? Amen? About 400 years after Jesus said those words, Augustine said this, and, it's, and I heard it first when I was in college, and it just captures my heart. Augustine was writing to God, and he said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. You have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until we rest in thee. That's who we are we're meant to be. Well, if that's who we were meant to be, and i got to move on, Vic. If that's who we were meant to be, how do we get there? How do we make that happen? Well, we follow Isaiah's example. Because it's not the first time that this has happened. This happened, and it won't be the last, right? We admit who we are, we admit who we've done, what we've done. We admit what kind of shape we're in and that we need God to restore us to be who we were meant to be. That's how it happens. Our confession is needed. Our admission of guilt is necessary. Our repentance from sin is required. We have to own who we are. We have to own what we've done. We have to own what we've become if we're going to become who we're meant to be. Now, I know in that confession, in that owning, we're telling God what he already knows, right? Yeah? We're already telling God what he already knows, but we must tell him. He has to hear it from us. One writer said this, he said, people who do nothing and presume on God's forgiveness fail to experience it. Amen. People who do nothing about who they are and what they've done and just presume that God will forgive them anyway fail to experience it. He waits for us to say, like Isaiah, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. That's me. That's me. So getting to be who we were meant to be begins with you and me. Amen? See, Isaiah's confession leads, led to God's action, and our confession will lead to God's cleansing. Our repentance will result in our restoration. Our openness to God will lead to him making us who we were meant to be. One final thing. 
This restoration of God, this him making us who we were meant to be, should not be thought of as a one-time cure-all, kind of one-stop shop. But it is intended to be an ongoing reality. Amen? Remember, remember when we were thinking about how far we were from the moment and where we are now? It is intended to be an ongoing reality. Isaiah was already serving as one of God's prophets when he has this vision, when he has this restoration. He would continue to be God's prophet on the other side of the restoration. But what happens in this moment, what happens in this moment, and all that could, it was all that he could have wanted, it was just the beginning of a lifetime of wholeness. It was just the beginning of a lifetime of holiness. Amen? See, in the same way that Isaiah was aware of God's holiness and his sin, there is a need for our ongoing reflection and repentance in the presence of a holy God if we are going to be who we were meant to be. Let me say it one more time. That in the same way that Isaiah was aware of God's holiness and Isaiah's sin, there is a need for us to have this ongoing reflection on God's holiness, considering who he is, an ongoing repentance, considering who we are, and ongoing restoration, because he makes us be who we were meant to be. Amen? Amen. I want us to end with a song and I want you to hear the words before we sing it. If you guys will come up. Because I think the song captures in a, in a way um, what, what is happening here in this restoration process. The writer says, through you the blind will see, meaning God. Through you the mute will sing. Through you the dead will rise. Through you all hearts will praise. Through you the darkness Please, through you my heart will sing, I am free. That's who, that's who we're meant to be. That's who we were meant to be. Go on his peace, two, three. I